I am serving a living God. I am serving a living God. Hey. I'm serving a living God. I am serving a living God. Amen. Do you serve in a living God? I am serving a living God. Amen. I'm serving a living God. I am serving a living God. Amen. Do you serve in a living God? I am serving a living God. Amen. Do you serve in a living God? I am serving a living God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory because you are giving us the privilege to serve you. We thank you because you count us worthy to be in your presence. We thank you because you are a living God, you are not a dead God. We appreciate you because whenever we call upon you, you are always there to answer us. Glory be to your holy name. Thank you, almighty God. We are here to listen to your word again. Exact point that you want us to hold on to, Father, don't allow sleep to take them away from us in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time that we want to learn your word, speak your word into our heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Please have your seat. Praise the Lord. Can we pick our Bible? I want you to open the book of Acts of Apostles. Acts 17. Acts of Apostle, chapter 17. For now, we'll be reading from verse 16 to 23. Acts of Apostle 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said, this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and, he, and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious, you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You see, when I read this uh, particular act of apostle, it reminded me of my 
experience in Chennai last two months when I took my son for surgery. And uh, similarly, we are going to uh, remind ourselves about this uh, Paul experience. Based on my experience in Chennai, when I went to Chennai, so we go into partial details of what Paul really went through there and how the gospel of Jesus Christ has spent to the city of many gods. I saw a, a bit similar um, similarity between Chennai and uh, Athens. Athens happened to be a city with many gods. To me, Chennai also appeared to be like that. Apostle Paul found himself in, 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 the, in the midst of whatever he, he found himself that time, and he tried to introduce the people to the living God that he served. And based on this, this formed the basis of my message today, which I tied to, may I introduce you to the unknown God. May I introduce you to what? Unknown God. First, as we have read in the message, we could gather that Paul was in a place that he was not familiar with. We know he was in Athens. Athens happened to be a great city. He was not there as a tourist or as holiday maker. He went there as a soul winner. But as at that time, Athens was in a period of decline. Though this town seemed to be recognized as center of uh, culture and education. But the city has become the city has become a pagan city, full with many idols. In Athens, they worship many different types of gods. The city itself encouraged idolatry, innovations, and philosophies. These are the things that that city encouraged. Paul went to Athens. He was troubled, as we have just read. He was troubled about concerning what he has seen. There are a lot of idols in Athens to choose from. Hardly you can walk through city with, uh, with walk through the neighborhood without bumping into um, idols. I have similar experience in Chennai. Hardly I move to any corner without seeing anything that attracts me. I see people. So as I was going around, I keep seeing it. Then this particular experience of Paul keep coming to my mind. So Paul discovered that in Athens, you can walk in and see as many as possible uh, uh, idols. Brethren, believe in me, I try to goggle something because this day when you ask goggle anything, it will give you. I try to goggle idols in uh, Chennai. Over 300 idols were mentioned. In, in the, in the, you can do it as well. So, it means that during the, Paul, uh, the time of Paul, it was even easier to find idols than to find a man. All you need to mention is that I'm looking for a particular idol. 
The same thing if you go to Chennai, just mention you are looking for a particular, if you say you are looking for a particular person, you may not get that person, but just mention particular idol. Because I spoke to the driver, I spoke to people around. So this makes me to compare that Athens and Chennai seems to go parallelly. Praise the Lord. So now, why are there so many idols? They are doing this just to identify whatever has come to their mind. Suppose the sun is not out. They will say, build an idol to the son of God. When there is an eclipse, they build an idol to the God of eclipse. There is no rain. I'm talking of, about Athens now. They build an idol for the God of rain. The temperature is too high. They build an, an idol for the, for the God of temperature. I feel good today. I'm happy today. They build an idol to I feel good God. So, hardly you can mention anything in, um, in Athens that there is no particular God concerning it. So, after all this, so many idols that they have uh, built altar for, then suddenly they discover that uh, there's a particular God that they don't know. Okay, we don't know this God. Let's build an, uh, uh, let's also make uh, a, an idol for him. And they name it the unknown God. Can you imagine the people of Athens? Even if you go there to that time, if you are part of that time that you also go there and do something. If they don't understand, they will build an idol to that I don't understand. So, let's talk more about this city of uh, Athens. It was a great city, known for philosophy, as we have read in that, uh, that scripture. In today's world, we can say that it's a university city, right? Let's look at verse 18. Verse 18, brother. Verse 18 of... A, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. These are two major schools of philosophy recorded in the scripture. In that verse 18, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. They are academicians. If you are talking of philosophers, where would they be? They have to be at school, in university. So these two philosophies never had any place for God. For a divine creation. They did not believe in supreme God. And Paul saw this city. That this city had been given exclusively to idols. And this broke his heart. But Paul, as his custom, he spoke in synagogue with Jews. And also witnessed in the marketplaces to other people. Then... Like I mentioned, when something new is happening, it will not take time before the city know that, yes, this is, that something is happening, something new is happening. So, it didn't take the philosophers long before they could realize that, yes, there's a new thing being brought in by Paul. And the council of Areopagus that oversees both religious and education in that city 
It is natural for them to investigate. I think brother read this somewhere. He said, blah, blah. What is this blah, blah? Bablas. You can imagine. They begin to check. They begin to digest. They begin to examine. Go into details, details of what Paul was saying. But one thing is very, which I read here that is common to that city. I think that is in verse 21. Okay, let's start from 19. Brother, start from 19 to 21. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Are you bringing some strange ideas to our ears? And we would like to know what they mean. 21. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Now, listen to me. I pick what I'm going to say now from this verse when he say all the Athens and the foreigners who live there spend their time doing nothing. But talking about listening to the latest ideas, that means they like gossiping. They gossip because... If you spend your time doing nothing, it means you use your time to gossip. But it is recorded that they like listening to new ideas. And as they did so, they talk about the latest idea that Paul was also bringing to them. They gossip about it. And they politely invited Paul to present his new idea. And the strange idea, it was very strange to them. And he was asked to talk about his own God. He was not forced. Are you being asked to talk about your own God? When we were at Chennai, I noticed that each shop that I enter, there will be one thing or the other there. And I asked question, what is this? And they will explain. There's a particular shop where I bought something. After taking the money from me, he put it at the four corner of the... Then I asked him, what is that? I said, can I come and see? He said, yes. Then I moved the other side. I saw a bowl of water with some flowers there. I said, what is this? He said, that is God. Oh, that is your God. <laughs> oh, good. Do you know I have God also? Then the next question he asked me is that, are you a Christian? I said, yes. Oh, I know your God. No, you don't know my God. Praise the Lord. So, these are the experiences that I passed through. There are some of them, like I testify here, every night when I'm going back, two auto wheelers will wait for me. Because they know that I've not come out. I have to go and sleep from the hospital. I interacted with them. One is a Christian by name. By name, he's a Christian. The other is, is an Hindu, and uh, I also interacted with them. One night, I was trying to talk to the one that is Hindu. The next thing he told me, brother, don't go there. Don't go there. Let's talk about something else. I didn't force him. I just asked him, why did you say we should, I should not go there? Now, I said you should not go there. You're asking me why. Okay, tomorrow we will talk about it. Unfortunately... We never have that opportunity to talk again because that was drawing closer for us to leave uh, 
Chennai. So what am I saying here? I want to introduce you to that unknown God that the people of Athens make a temple for. They make an idol for that unknown God. Now, we are going to read from verse 22 again to 34. Follow this scripture very well, brethren. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the... That's after he has been invited now. ...of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So... You are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead when they heard about the resurrection of the dead some of them sneered but others said we want to hear you again on this subject at that Paul left the council some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Praise God. Now, Paul was invited to explain the new things. It was very new to the people of Athens. So they invited him. To come and explain the new God, the new idea is bringing up. And if you, like we read, Paul, as a smart person, he, you, because when you want to talk, you need to capture your audience. You need to say something to bring them closer. He started his message like a genius person, just to make sure that he, 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 he got their attention. He spoke in a diplomatic fashion, just like politicians, when politicians need your vote, they know what to say. They will bring you closer to them. So, 
But had it been it was the time of Old Testament, what would you think will happen for people that are serving another god? Remember what happened to the prophet Elijah? He called down the fire. But Paul wants to get the attention so that he can introduce that unknown God to them. I also need your attention today for me to tell you about that God that some don't even know how mighty he is. Praise the Lord. So Paul began by complimenting them, by explaining to them, by trying, he did not condemn them. If you condemn, you are a pagan, you are worshiping idol, nobody will listen to you. Show interest in their God. When you show interest, then you will be able to come in and bring them closer. If you see them, if they are hungry, feed them. If they are by the roadside, give them lift. But when you distance yourself from, away from them, you remember that many mansions over there, who is going to live there? We need to show them love. When you show them love, then they will be able to listen to you. Praise the Lord. So, Paul showed them love. He flattered them. He said, I see that you are very religious. You even have an idol to the unknown God. And this actually captivated them. And having aroused their interest, he then explained to them who that God is. This is what we have to go, do whenever we go on vacation, whenever we are at that place. For those of us that we have an opportunity to be at that kind of environment. These are the things that we need to do. We need to show them love so that you can introduce your own God, which they don't know unto them. Praise the Lord. Then Paul clearly explained to them that this God that he served, is almighty God. He made everything. He is the creator. He is not like your man-made God. He does not live in temple. God lives in our heart. He does not live in temple. He lives in our heart. You need to know this. They thought that, they know, actually know that there is a God somewhere, but he's very far away from them. So they made that altar for him. But brethren, I'm telling you, this God is near. Something living in your heart, unless you don't give room to that for him to live there. He lives in your heart and is much more closer to you than any other thing. This is the unknown God that the people of Athens didn't know. So this God is a genuine God. He's not far from us. We are his children. It was also mentioned, Paul, also, let's go to verse 29. Brother, read that. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver. Praise God. If God, if we are the offspring of, uh, offspring of, uh, of God, that means we are his children. So how come I, the snake, is your God. Does it go together? Even because Paul was referring to what their own poet, what their own poet has written that we are his children. We are children of God. 
So our God is now made of gold. In the Bible, it was established that he made us in his own image. So we need to know that the true God is made in our own uh, image. So the Bible also recorded that there was a time that God will overlook this ignorant, but now he wants everybody to repent. Because that mansion, many mansions, you are not going to pay house rent. You are not going to pay anything. It is now that whatever you do here is your ticket to live in that mansion. So God doesn't want people to perish. He wants people to come. He wants people to repent and come to him. Praise the Lord. So this, that is what God was telling, uh, Paul was telling the people of Athens that this unknown God is very close to you. And he made mention of four things in that his message. We start from verse 24. Paul declared that this unknown God made the world and all things in it. That is in verse 24. This unknown God is the creator. Paul boldly affirmed that in the beginning God created everything. Both heaven and the earth. God created it. God made the world and everything in it. That is recorded in the Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So he is the Lord of everything he has made. He is not a distant God. He is not too, he is too great to be housed in a man-made temple. That is why he is living in our heart. He dwells in our heart. This is the unknown God to Athens. Praise the Lord. One thing is sure, this unknown God was far greater than any other God you might think of. He's far greater than it. The universe and everything were created by God. So Paul is making the people of Athens to realize that everything was created by God. No wonder King David, why he was meditating, why he was meditating on God's uh, great care and concern for humanity, he wrote in Psalm 139, verse 4. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you say that yourself? I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your work that my soul knows very well. That's Psalm 139, verse 4. Then Paul again spoke about the goodness of God. That is in verse 25. After introducing them that this God is God that created everything, then again he went further and mentioned his goodness. In verse 25 he said, And he is not served by human, by human hand, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gave everyone life and breath and everything else. We are breathing. The free air, you are not paying for it. Brethren, there are some people that are paying for it. But here we are, we sit down. You are not paying for, for it. That is the goodness of God. Our God is good. At what time? All the time. God bless you. 
God is good. He is self-sufficient. And he needs nothing from you. Either you like him or you don't like him. He is God. He changes not. There's, you, you, even if you want to protest, you can only protest against pastor that, okay, I will not come to your church. But God is God. And God is so good at, he doesn't look at your sin before he bless you. That's part of the goodness of God. Upon everything that is happening worldwide, all the sin that are being committed, God is still good for them. In the people, the Athenians, God was still good to them that time. That's why that they have idol for everything. But God was still good to them. God does not live in temple. Paul has already mentioned that to them. God does not depend on any man before he do whatever he wants to do. Because he's greater. God is the source of everything we need. We depend on him. That's why he mentioned that. He said, he himself gives to all people life and bread. Our life must be viewed as gift from God. Your position must be viewed as gift from God. It's not that you are better than your colleagues when you graduated or when you finished school or after learning that vocational job that you are doing, that you are seeing blessing every time. It's not that you are too perfect. It is the goodness of God that has blessed you. That is why you are able to succeed. So everything we need, everything we received, they are all good uh, they are God goodness, and this is the blessing of God. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from God, from above, coming down from Father. Our time on this earth is a gift from God. The energy we have to do our secular job is a gift from God. The productivity that we have in the office that you are being rated high is a gift from God. The talent for you to stand up in the presence of many people and speak is a gift from God. The voice that you used to sing and people we, we try to peep, who is that? That's a lovely song. It's a gift from God. You can't do anything on your own. If you take that gift away from you, you are nobody. Praise the Lord. So I'm introducing you to this unknown God that is a it's God that is good all the time. Praise the Lord. The children we have is a gift from God. The Bible says, Behold, children are gift of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, and its reward. And I pray as many that are looking for fruit of the womb, the Lord of mercy, we open your womb, your womb, and grant you the gift in everlasting in the mighty name of Jesus. And those that are pregnant at moment, safely you shall deliver in Jesus' name. Amen. So every precious gift is from God. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Praise God. So God gives us life to sustain ourselves. Surely, it's a great God. Tell your neighbor, it's a great God. A great God. Our God is good. All the time. And all the time? God is good. God, is good. God, is good. God bless you.
So Paul talked about the greatness of God, the goodness of God. And what did he talk about again? The government of God. Verse 26. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the faces of the earth, having determined the appointed time and the boundary of their habitation. Almighty God, he is the ruler of this world. Take it or leave it. He is the ruler of this world. All men are made, all man made God are just distanced God. They can't do anything. If you, know, if you want to know the secret, you, you, if you have the opportunity of sitting before them, try to do something and think that even the, the priest, whether he will know what you have done, no. I've had an opportunity somewhere in Nigeria that I was with a brother and uh, he was doing some funny things. So when he left, my, my friend asked me, can we check what is behind that thing? We opened it and we saw everything there. Till today, nothing happened. Nothing. Because we are serving a living God. We are serving a... No, they should, you should not be deceived. Our God made everything. He has concern for all the problems that we need. He's a sovereign God. He doesn't need any permission. He is the creation of this world. The whatever you learn, the history, the geography, and everything about the earth, God rules over everything. He set up king and disposes king. Something happened to my family recently. Somebody used this to talk to me. Praise the Lord. So Paul is saying that God is in control of everything in this world. What is that situation you are passing through? Just remember that God is the creation of every situation. When you table it before him, he has a solution for it. So, there's nothing that God doesn't know about. Let's assume that uh, there's a little bit that God don't know about. What do you think the people of Athens will do? They will say, okay, because this God of Paul does not know this little thing. There must be another God somewhere. Let us make an idol for that God of somewhere. That is what they will do. So our God understands everything, everything. He rules over everything. So it is very important when Paul affirmed to the Athenians that the sovereignty of knowledge is of Almighty God. God is all-knowing. He is the omniscience or omni... Praise the Lord. Before my teeth jump out, so I, I want you to help me. He never knew less. He knows everything. But one good thing is that don't assume that God understands my problem. You need to tell him, Lord, this is what I'm going through. Open your mouth and say it, that Lord, this is what I'm going through. Then he will give you solution. God is supreme. He is the supreme ruler and Lord of heaven and earth. He is so powerful. That is what Paul was emphasizing on to the people of Athens. So there is nothing that God don't understand. That is why Jesus 
This is what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 19.26 that with God all things are possible. With what? Not with idols. Unfortunately, I can't remember the name of those idols because I ask in Chennai that what is the name of this? What is the name of that? So, with God all things are possible. And this is also confirmed in Genesis 18 verse 14. That is from the beginning. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Was a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing is too hard for him. He is he has the measurable knowledge of everything. And he exercises his power according to his will, not according to your will. Last year, our team was prayer. You pray, maybe you are thinking your prayer has not been answered. When God sees the danger in it, that prayer may not come to pass. And pastor was giving message here that there are ways that God answers prayer. Your, the answer to your prayer might be silent. Praise the Lord. The Bible say in, says in uh, Psalm 115, verse 3, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. He's there. He's not a distant God. He lives in our heart. He's in heaven. He controls everything. Praise the Lord. So, in verse 27 of that scripture we have read, God wants relationship with us. God wants you to sort after him. He wants you to look for him. Because we are his children. We have been made in his image. We are designed to fellowship with him. Idolatry seems to be something that I've taken some people away. I don't know what is idol in your life. Don't think that when you have something in the corner, it's only the idolatry. Idolatry itself is something that is offensive to God. I'm not good. I'm not wood. So why should I be kneeling down in front of the wood? You know, in the, the hospital we went to, Triple M in uh, Chennai, it, it's, a, it's a missionary hospital. And there's a very big place that they have dedicated for Christians. You can go there to pray. Then, at the same time, I think to balance the equation, they have put one white old man, very small, with some many flowers on his top at one corner. They just put it at one corner. But in the hospital itself, a very big place at the right-hand side when you enter, you can go there. And uh, believe me, people are going there. I asked somebody, everybody going this place, are they Christian? He said, no, they believe in that God. That is why they are going to pray. And at the same time, the other status put somewhere, it's a common statue I used to see even in Oman here with my fellow uh, friends and colleagues in the office. They put that statue there. People will still come there and pray and this. These are man-made God. All over the world, at the, at the reception of that hospital, at the, at the record, you can see the scriptures written everywhere in that hospital in Chennai. Praise the Lord. So our God is good. So God, Paul is talking about the greatness of God, goodness of God, and the government of God, because he rules all over the world. Now, he talk about the grace of God. Let's look at verse 30 to 31. 
Acts of Apostles 30 to 31. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Uh, in, the, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Praise when God. Thank you, brother. God bless you. God vividly demonstrated that his grace is for century. God was patient with people that sinned. God is very patient. Even that's why the fact that the people of Athens, they are serving so many gods. God was very patient with them. Like I said earlier, it has been the time of uh, the, in the Old Testament. We know what it means. God can command the ground to swallow everybody. But our God is God of grace. That is why he has sent the Savior to set us free, to deliver us. And he commanded every man, when I say every man now, everybody, every brethren, to repent of the sinful way. Brethren, I'm telling you this afternoon, you need to repent of that simple, sinful way that you are following. The grace of God has manifested in Jesus Christ himself. He has come, he died for our sin, and he resurrected again. Praise the Lord. So, our God is God of patience, he's God of grace. That is why he's giving us the opportunity to repent, to change. To repent, to change. And Paul, as Paul was spoken to the Athenians, counseling them about the unknown God, he made that God known to them for, the, for this, all this basic truth that he has told them, that is the great, greatness of God, that is God who made the world and nothing in it. The goodness of God, he gives to all people life and bread and all things. The government of God is the Lord of heaven and earth. And the grace of God itself that is overlooking about the ignorance that we face. The, our ignorance, God is overlooking it. God is declaring that people must come to him. I beseech you, brethren, come to God. He's giving us that opportunity to come closer to him. So, if you look at the real message of Paul, is that the unknown God has made himself known. That unknown God, has he made himself known to you, brethren? Yes. You might be going through so many things. The unknown God is made, making himself known to you this afternoon that he is a great God, is God that is good, he is the ruler of heaven and earth and he's asking you to repent of that simple way. Praise the Lord. There were three different type of responses 
to Paul's message, as we have read. Some laugh. That is one response. They just laugh. And some mock and did not take to the gospel message. They didn't take that, uh, the message seriously. Why others were interested? They all had the same message, right? Now you are hearing the message now. Where are you? Where do you belong to? Are you the type that laugh? Or do you belong to the type that mock? Or are you the type that is interested? I want you to go back, read that story from verse 1. You will notice that God, Paul was outside for harvest. He was outside for harvest before that scenario happened. So, this year also, I'm telling you, Brennan, this is year of harvest. As much that you can bring in, bring them in. People have heard this message. They laugh. Some mock. Other, they are interested. So where do you belong to? The choice is yours, not mine. You have to make your own choice. We can reject God as many Atheans did. We can hear also and believe that he is a living God and we are serving him. So Paul bothered move him to reveal God to the people. When he was done, he simply got down off the stage wherever he was talking and move on. So the message also for us is that we have to know this unknown God. We have to believe in him that he is the God that is great. He is the God that is good. He is the God that rules over the earth and heaven. And he is the God that has given us the second chance. He's telling us to repent our sin. So when we look at the lost world, we see people that are trapped in vain of philosophy, different kinds of philosophies and sins. They are trapped. That is why we need to bring them in. That is why we need to go there and bring them in and harvest and bring them in. Brethren, for those of us that have opportunity of being in somewhere where you are seeing so many idols, don't quarrel with them. Don't fight with them. Show your love to them. Get interested in what they are doing. That gives you the opportunity to make known to them the unknown God that we are talking about. Praise the Lord. So what am I saying here? The day of judgment is very near. The judgment will come by hand of his son, Jesus Christ. This he has demonstrated by his power, by raising his son from the dead. You may not know him, but this unknown God wants you to know him. Even if you don't know him before, I'm telling you, brethren, this unknown God wants you to know him. That is why he's calling you into relationship. He wants you to come to him. He's drawing you closer. He's drawing you nearer to him. He wants you to be with him every time. Then 
He wants the grace to be over you. So are you ready to commit your life to Jesus Christ? To call on the name of the Lord. Brethren, surrender your life to Christ. Perhaps this morning we have people who want to know that or know God very well. And we ask you to come outside. You want to give your life to God? You want God to touch you more and more? You have been hearing about him. Now you understand much more about him. And you want to confess that sin of yours before him. Please, brethren, come out, confess it to him, and he's ready to receive you. He's ready to take you back. He is a God that gives us opportunity. Every time, every minute, every second, God is always there. Perhaps you want to turn a new leaf. There's something bothering your mind that you want to tell God, Lord, this is what is bothering my mind. This is why I've not been able to come closer to you. This is what is taking me away from you. Now, I want to know you more. If the people of Athens can know the unknown God, which they have made that um, idol for, this morning is your chance, or this afternoon rather, it's your time, it's your period, it's your moment to confess to him, to come before him and say, Lord, here I am, take me. Here I am, Father, take me. Let's bow our head and as we begin to pray that, Lord, whatever area that need touch in your life, table it before God. You know what I've been keeping distance, keeping you away from God. You know that area of life that you are being touched, that you need to come closer to God. Table it before God. Lord, I want to know you more, more of you. In the mighty name of Jesus, begin to talk to God. God is merciful. God is gracious. Dear children of God, as we heard, God has been speaking to us. From his experience, he has shared about who is the known God or who is the unknown God. In your life, just think about it. Do you know God? Secondly, who is your God? Some of us, those who do not know the real God, the only God, the God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who has created you and me. If you do not know him, this is the day and this is the time for you to know him. If you do not know him, please put your hands up. It's a time for you. Let every eyes closed. Every head bows. The one who do not know the real God, the living God, 
who is your creator, the one who can show you who is he, the living. If you do not know him, just raise up your hand. Put your hands up. God sees you. Do not worry about the neighbor who is next to you. Whether they are praying, whether they are watching, don't worry about the neighbor. If you do not know him, today is the time God has planned for you. He will make you known. Now, those of you who know the Lord our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in your life. It is not only we know him. It is a commandment to each and every one of us to make him known to the people, those who do not know him. Jesus Christ, he had this experience when he was on the earth. As he has interaction with the Samaritan woman, he said to her, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but our is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeking is seeking such a worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Dear children of God, do you believe that? Our God is a spirit, and you are in spirit. We have to worship him with truth and spirit. Is the truth is in us? There will be hindrances. We may think that we know our God. There is no other. Without you knowing, what is your priority in your life? Do you think money is a God? If you think your job is your God, if you love anything other than the living God, they are your gods. Occupying your life. You are worshipping those gods in your life by ignorant. This is the time for you. If you love anything other than our God, more than anything, it is a time for you to confess before him. Accept. Hereafter, you will love and serve the living God in your life, for which we are all called for it. The message is for each and every one of us. It is very true. And it is very simple. 
there are many gods among us it we are sometimes ignorant about those gods it's better to know the only god who is not only our creator who is our lord and our savior please stand to your feet it's a time for us to come to close and thanking for what god has been speaking to us our most loving and gracious father we praise you and we thank you for the privilege of once again hearing your word through your servant through your word and through his experience, your experience in his life yes lord indeed there are people in this world who worship the unknown god but lord we thank you we know you as we are known by you father it is purely your grace it is your by your mercy lord we know you and we are saved thank you for the free gift of salvation thank you for accepting us once we were sinners once we were worshiping the unknown god but we know whom we are worship you are the true god you are the living god you are god in spirit father you are our lord and you are our savior as we know him father give us the grace give us the boldness give us the courage as he given to the apostles Lord, to go and proclaim the good news. Go and proclaim the salvation. Go and proclaim that how we are saved, O oh Father. Lord, go and proclaim the living God to the world, O oh Father. Father, give us the courage. Give, fill us with your spirit. Give us the boldness, O oh Father. To live a life which will please you. And also, Lord, to serve you. as we sang the harvest is plentiful you are looking for the laborers as you promised us this year is the year of harvest father help us to go forth lord and serve you and bring many souls and for the expansion of your kingdom especially in this land as you bless this help us to be a blessing as we are going to depart from this place take us rest to our respective home bless your servant abundantly as you have spoken to him through him lord let him be a useful vessel in your hand in jesus highly exalted name we pray let us share the grace together and the love of god the father fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forevermore Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. May God bless you all.